everything, I think everything's more fun when you're all in. It's that the resistance part is, is like, uh, I wonder what, wonder what else is going on that would be better. What am I missing out on? And blah, blah, blah. And that's just pulls us, pulls me out of whatever experience is available right then and there. So yeah, if I'm all in, I'm, I'm going to have a way more better time. Welcome to episode 18 of the Coaching Life podcast. I'm sure I'm like many other coaches in that I'm rarely completely disconnected from my work and the world of personal development. Even when I'm out walking or on a train or something, I'm generally listening to audiobooks or podcasts relating to all the subjects around um, love, spirituality, personal growth, awareness, leadership, all, all that stuff. And I'm really honoured, actually, today um, that today's guest is the host of one of the few podcasts that I tend to always listen to. He's been on my radar for a while. I love listening to his show. And he manages to have oh, some of the most amazing guests on there. So I'm going to talk to him about that, including people like Dan Millman, Stephen Pressfield, Tim Ferriss. Good grief. So many wonderful conversations talking and exploring in depth about oh, an incredible range of subjects too his podcast is listened to by tens of thousands of people all over the world 110 countries um, and it's regularly in the itunes self-help top 10 list and of course that's not all that he does he's also a pretty amazing coach um, I took a, a little look earlier today at his last Facebook post. I want to read this to you because I found it quite amusing. Um, it's a video, but the audio of that he's taken as a podcast episode. And the intro and the Facebook post says, I'm going to read it to you. How to overcome anxiety and move into power. How are masturbation, creative power and fast times at Ridgemont High linked? How is your mindset like a redneck using gasoline to start a fire and how can you become more powerful by sealing the exits that made me chuckle because uh, from what i've seen that description alone touches a lot on what his work is all about now we've met a couple of times at events but we've never really connected particularly deeply so i'm delighted to take this time today to get to know a little more about men's coach and host of the new man podcast trip Lanier. hello trip welcome hey hey phil thanks for that <laughs> i was i got nervous when you talked about the facebook post i was like oh shit what was it what did i put up this time there's <laughs> just so much in that there's a great little video as well a great little video I, I i'm gonna dive straight in it i want to ask you so the tagline to your podcast beyond the macho jerk and the new age wimp so um you ever see yourself as either or both of those <laughs> Yeah, I was a pro in both of those. <laughs> I tend to I tended to be more of the uh more on the macho side, but uh definitely have gone through phases of being kind of that neutered male, uh that I don't want to ruffle any feathers and I want to be respectful and so I'm just going to you know, the thing that I want is not really important, so I'm just gonna hold back and I'll be quiet and uh, I'll just be over here and, and hope that you figure out what I want for me and and then uh, 
yeah, we'll just hope that it all works out. And then I'll secretly be pissy and resentful to everyone else because I'm not getting what I want and you didn't figure it out for me. Yeah, I can relate to all of those <laughs> for sure. Me too, me too. So we might and, and living to- in Boulder for a while meant that that got celebrated. You know, if you put some, talked about chakras and some crystals and shit, then, then, then it was justified <laughs> to be that way. So it became kind of a ceremony. You were more spiritual if you were that. You know, right. you were neutered in that way. So, so Trip, tell me, um, what what got you into this profession? Like, um, how did that all come about, the, including the podcast? Because I'm kind of wondering, well, what, what came first? Like, the podcast or the coaching clients? I remember being on a, uh, a weird men's retreat in Costa Rica and just feeling so alive. Just, I... I I've always loved being in real conversations with people. And I've always loved having conversations about like what could be created and what's possible. And I was on this retreat and talking to one of the men on the retreat and he's like, you know, there's a name for this. It's called coaching. And you could be a coach. And I was like, really? You could do this? And at that time, I, I had another business. I had a media production company. And I'd been doing that for about a decade. And I was... I was, it was, you know, the sun was starting to set on that, on that for me. And, and, uh, and so this idea of like, wow, I could, I could just, my whole life could be these amazing conversations. I got electrified by that, but I, I didn't know any coaches. I didn't know anything about it. I, I, you know, I, I looked at people like Tony Robbins and I was like, oh, okay, I guess that's what a coach is, but I didn't even follow Tony Robbins. So, um, yeah, I just started fumbling, fumbling into that. And then with regards to the podcast, I was living in Boulder and was coaching some young uh, startup founders that were working, that had a, uh, they'd, they'd started a podcasting network, essentially. And Casey Capshaw was one of the people, he was a friend of mine, and he worked in the company, and, and they approached me and said, you should have your own podcast. And I said, well, if I can cuss and I can talk about anything that I want, then I'm all for it. And they said, absolutely. And, um, you know, unfortunately for them, the, their company went, south but i i inherited the podcast and kept it going you know i think we've probably all heard of of people that say well you know i I want to be a coach and then there's a version of um i tend to be the the friend that people turn to Mm -hmm. i tend to be the person in the family that people come and talk to and you know you and i know there's there's a world of difference really between you know lending an ear to somebody and being the person that somebody listens to on your sofa or in the in the corner of a family gathering to creating a sustainable business or a business that can sustain the kind of lifestyle that Mm -hmm. we want so what's that ride been like for you it was really hard um i had i was you know, the, the image I get is one foot in, one foot out. And we can do this in relationships. We can do this with lovers. We can do this with careers. And I had sold my previous media production company. And I knew I wanted to get involved in something in personal development. And, but I was also, after having a, a business where I could roll in and, you know, I could basically work every, I had, I had the business that, was in the four-hour work week before the four-hour work week was written. So I was able to travel. My focus was on making music. I, I had a music career. and I, I, My 20s were gonzo cool. And I didn't even know how cool they were until I got out of my 20s. <laughs> so it was like, I, 
it was, so there was this resistance to like, why would I, why would I take a job where I'm going to be required to be somewhere at 10 o'clock on a Tuesday morning to have a phone call with somebody? So I loved having these conversations with people, but I, I resisted the business model of coaching. And so I dabbled. I dabbled for years and I dabbled in trainings and went through a lot of stuff. But I was also looking for like, there's got to be some nut to crack here where I can do this kind of thing and not have to be tied down and, you know, get paid for whatever. It, but what was interesting is like when I was having those conversations, that was in my mind. Like, I don't want to do that in my mind. But when I was doing coaching, I loved it. I really love to coach. I love to be on the phone. I take a week off every month and I inevitably I'm going to call one of my clients like, hey, what's up? Like I just, I like that. I, I like being in conversations with people. There's probably a shadow side to it. Like, I, oh no, I have to be with myself now. I need to go <laughs> talk to a client. But uh, so, uh, you know, we can talk about what led to me being both feet in, but essentially uh, that's when it was like, all right, it's time. I'm going to be a coach now. That's the shortest path to the XYZ. And so I'm, I'm both feet in and and then it got easier. It got easier at that point for me. But the hardest part was, am I going to do this? Am I not? I think something better might come along. And that was that was hard. And I remember I've spoken about it on this podcast previously, actually, um, because I interviewed um, Carolyn Freya-Jones, um, who right. was at Steve Chandler's coaching school at this, um, out on the faculty there, and I had a conversation with her. And uh, she she helped me see that I hadn't, gone both feet in at the time okay right um so i'm wondering for you what what helped you what helped you see what helped you put put the other foot in as well my we my wife and i were living in boulder at the time and she had a thriving therapy practice we decided to start a family and and i was doing okay as a coach and i had money saved up from selling my business and that kind of thing. So that allowed me to, the technical term is dick around. That allowed me to dick around for a long time and not really have to lean in. Like anytime I got to the edge of my comfort zone, I could be like, eh, I'm okay. And just not, not push it. So when we decided we were going to start a family and we were going to leave Boulder and that meant that I was going to be covering both of the incomes in the house uh, as, as my wife uh, took over the mothering duties, then it was oh I gotta really I gotta really make something happen here, and um, I thought you know my brain my resistance was like this is where you're gonna be miserable this is where you're gonna be trapped this is where it's gonna be awful but once I moved through that thing just like any other kind of hero's journey I started to really enjoy it I loved it and I remember at one point my wife was like God I hope we win the lottery wouldn't that be great and I was like I hope we don't because I'm <laughs> I'm enjoying this like I'm enjoying making this work instead of running away from it uh for so long it felt so good to be in there and, and be in that mix so it's I, I really relate to what you said as well because i've enjoyed what i do much more and of course this plays out in every area of our life enjoyed coaching much more once i am you know doing air quotes here all in but you know when you when you decided yeah i'm in i'm in for this Everything, I think everything's more fun when you're all in. It's that the resistance part is, is like, ah, I wonder what, wonder what else is going on that would be better. What am I missing out on? Blah, blah, blah. And that just pulls, us, pulls me out of whatever experience is available right then and there. So, yeah, if I'm all in, I'm, I'm going to have a way more better time. 
you mentioned there what I think is also quite an important piece. So when you were starting out, you had a financial support arrangement in place, be it for you, you sold your business, so you got some savings. Um, and, you know, I do speak to some coaches, because like I say it time and time again, coaching coaches is not a focus of my business, but I, I talk to a lot of other people. I talk to a lot of other coaches, I have friends and, and, and colleagues or whatever. And, and, you know, a common thread is I need to coach to make money. Now we've heard it, I know you will have heard it because you've been at some similar events to me where like, well, if you need, if you need money, get a job, don't go into coaching. If you Mm -hmm. need money, what's your take on that? I think it's good if you can, I think it's, I think it's good. I learned a lot of lessons early on where I was putting a lot of pressure on myself to grow my coaching business. And, and and I think I needed to learn these lessons, but I remember feeling the the, the I remember hearing the voice like don't take this guy on don't 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 let you know don't get into a coaching arrangement with this guy and a couple months later it came back to bite me on the ass so the only reason why I did it was like no I want to build my practice like I can go I can make this work and I I think I just had to learn that stuff and I think it's essential as a coach that I hear so many coaches talk about, oh, I need to help know my niche. I need to know my person. What's well, always working? It's for me. It's always like I want more clients like Bill. I loved working with Bill. I want more clients like Bill. And that's like, oh, I want more clients like Tom. Tom was fantastic. I really like Tom. I want to move in there. So it's always you never know until you get some people on board. And sometimes it's like, all right, I want to definitely make sure I don't work with guys like that asshole anymore. So um, I think we just have to go through it. So I don't. To answer your question about that, I think there is a desperation. I think there are easier ways. I, I don't know, man. I, I think it comes back to to every person in their situation. I, I don't know if I can say go get a job for some because for some people they might be able to just jump out of the gate. I had a client that left a corporate situation. He already had a platform. He'd written a book, and he's going to do a few hundred grand. And we worked together for four months, and we set that all up, and he crushed it. And he needed the money and had it, I said, just go get a job. I don't think it wouldn't have worked. You know, he had he had things in place where we were able to leverage them and, and, and help him out. So I can't it's not one size fits all. And I think being all in, you're less likely to, to need to go and get a job instead. Yeah. 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 You gotta have some things in place. I think that I think there's more to it if you've got some things in place a way to talk to people, a way to talk to the people you want to serve. If you understand that you have something to offer that will help them help people solve their problems. Great. You know, a lot of us haven't figured that out yet. We're isolated. We're on Facebook or, you know, we're kind of stuck in the, in our home office somewhere. And, and, and we think that, Oh, well I'll teach people personal development and they're going to pay me tens of thousands of dollars. Like, no, they're not, they're not going to do that. So we have to, there's, there's some things that if you're primed and you figured those things out, I, you know, I've learned, oh, whenever you've got X, you know, I've got five things that I go through with other coaches and it's like, you're rocking on those things and you're, you're going to be doing well. So what's, what's really helped you then, um, once you chosen to be all in, um, what, what really helped you? Yeah. To get to the stage where you were, I guess, more confident, in creating, you know, that that level of income to replace your your wife's income at that time, what 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 kind of support did you did you have to help you with that to help you to help you grow to help your business grow at that stage? 
that early stage, I was actually a bit of a moron. I was I was going in alone. That's that's one of my uh, blind spots is that I can get isolated, and so I can be the support for other people, but I, I, it was it was challenging for me to be helped. And so in that early phase, I had built up my coaching practice and was doing you know low six figures, but I was killing myself. Like I just couldn't keep it up and that scared me. I was like, well, wait a second. Now I feel like a fraud. I'm helping people create more spaciousness in their lives and ease and, and I wasn't taking any time off and I was coaching too many people and all that. So I, something was off and that's, I, I made some course corrections after that. But I was going in alone. So I, I think I, to answer your question, I didn't have support in that early phase. Um, I was just doing a model that I had seen. It was based off of watching other Kind of therapists and you know the the 125 or 150 buck an hour coaches like okay this is how you do it and you just muscle through it and and I did that until I realized man I can't keep this up so that's when I started getting more and more support. What's the question you're not asking? I see you nodding. Uh, the question is um, you told me yeah that you didn't have support. I'm interested if you were willing to share so. Once you saw that, when you when you saw shit, this isn't working out. I guess I'm wondering. Like, so, so who did help you? What did help you? What did you learn? Um, what? Because you know, we all have these amazing conversations. That's we're in we're in this profession of having what can be amazing conversations. And, and yeah. um, <clears throat> I guess I'm kind of sitting here imagining. Okay, so you you're you're like okay it's not really working out i'm going to start talking to people and start asking for help you know what that's what i'm that's what i'm interested in what 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 were these people i guess you were hiring coaches or at least talking to people what was it they helped you see i i think one of the th what's embarrassing for me is that i was not a student of the coaching profession and i became a coach and that was indicative of the mindset that I had that I, I didn't want to see coaching as the main course. I, I saw it as a stepping stone. And so early on, I didn't invest a lot emotionally into it. It was easy for me. It was easy for me to help people. It was easy for me to make the podcast. It, it was all, that was all easy. Uh, what was hard was... Um, getting out of my own way, and I so I wasn't a I wasn't a student of it. And I remember I'd met Rich Liffin years ago, early on in a training or something. And then when the Prosperous Coach came out, he I saw an email or something for it. I'd, I'd signed up for Steve Chandler's list, and and I was getting resources from Chandler. And um, I contacted Rich, and he said, "Oh, I, you, you know, you remember me? Like we we did something together." I didn't remember rich at the time but i was like oh that's what it looks like when a coach really gives a shit and wants to become a world-class coach like that's he went that route and i was like oh i went and played amateur and he really went for it i saw that he hired all these coaches he, he became a student of the coaching profession that was my impression of it and so i realized wow i really had my head up my ass um and it was at that point that I started to really look at other coaches and like, how are, how are other people doing this? And what can I learn from them? 
but I just had my head down. I was like, I know what I want. I know I only want to work X amount. I know the money I want to make, and I know I've got access to people to talk to them. So I just put my head down and went. And I think it was arrogant uh, or a defensive thing. Like I don't want to be challenged. Uh, I don't want. I don't want to have my ideas of what I want to do to be challenged. Probably. Um, so I didn't look around. But it, it is challenging to get in a world. Plus, there's just the thing that happens when you start to see how everybody else is doing. It's like, I don't like that feeling of losing that certainty of what I want to do. I, I like having that really clear sense. So there's a, there's a, a um, it's a challenge to have both where I can be influenced and aware of what others are doing and how they're creating, but then also really be in touch with my own voice and the thing that I want to say and the thing that I want to do and, and how I want to put it out there and not let it get watered down with, what everybody else is doing and get kind of follow, get kind of stuck into a group mentality if that makes sense mm. yeah it does make sense and i think that could come from working with the right coach for you as well of course right right i could ask you so what kind of coach are you trip what kind of coach am i i think i'm a good coach i enjoy coaching I didn't think I would enjoy coaching as much as I do uh, years ago when I was resisting it and sticking my head in, which is something telling about doing the thing that we love is that we, it's, it's not always going to show up as that. So these days, I would say I'm much more aware of things, but I'm also pretty singular. I, I, I don't live in California. I live in a small beach town and you know, far away from most people in the personal development industry and um i my world is my community and of uh, people that follow the work that i do and the people that i work with and and so i i there's still this shadow side that i can get really isolated too so i've got an eye on that there's a there's a this thing that goes back and forth there um but i've got some good people in my life that i talk to on a regular basis that uh i'm, I'm more supported i'm, I'm more transparent about the work that I'm doing and about getting help. And a lot of times I'll just call up and I'm like, hey, what about this? And, you know, the two or three guys that I call, they're like, why the fuck are you worried about that, man? You got your thing. Like, just keep going. You're doing good. And that's what I needed to hear. So there's, it's nice to get that instead of like, you know, dude, get your head out of your ass. Yeah, you got to yeah. gotta look at it this way and that way. So. Yeah. Well, I think we all benefit from that occasionally. Yeah. So what role does um, the podcast play um, in yeah, in your business, in your coaching business. Early on, the podcast was, you know, I, I started the podcast in the wild, wild west days. And so there was, everyone was trying to find a way to make the podcasts the financial revenue source. Like that was going to, that was the play. And so for a while, there was this part of me that was like, well, I don't want to coach. Like, I want to blow up this podcast. This is what I, I love to do. I had a media background. I was a musical performer. And like, it just like, yeah, I like having a microphone in my face. And I like talking about these things. And I know how to make cool content. So let's, let's run with that. And um, I think there was a dip there for a while where I realized that uh, something something shifted, and I, I just was like, it's not going to be the play. Use the podcast to, instead of using the podcast to make money selling somebody else's. I mean, we're, we're getting ads for like 
sex toys and shit. You know what I mean? It was like, I don't want to. And they're like, yeah, in the middle of your interview, break away from what you're talking about and, you know, advertise this dildo or something. I'm like, yeah. I'm not going to do that. It's just, so I, I think emotionally, I was like, I'm not going to do that. If there's anything that these are going to be people that are interested in what I'm creating, I'm creating a little world here. So how can I just take them deeper into that world? And so there's been millions of people that have, you know, millions of downloads that we've had. But then there's, you know, there's been a handful of people that I've gotten to work with out of that over the years. And that just made sense to me. And since then, obviously, some players have come in and they've learned how to monetize the podcast and do all that and run all, a bunch of ads. But when I listened to those podcasts, my, I was like, Ugh, I don't I don't I don't want to create a show like that. Um, even though I'm aware there's there's financial opportunities to go there, maybe down the road I might choose to do that, but it's not something that that appeals to me. So it's always been I'm in conversations with people, and I think this is for some coaches to consider: is that you're in a, you're in a, an amazing position to be in in conversations with people about some of the most deep, vulnerable things that are happening in their lives. You're having these conversations on a regular basis. You're not one of these jackasses that's just sticking around reading books and getting things from publicists and like there's that's like the the upper crust of like what's really going on in the world. As coaches, we're down in the deep stuff. And I realized that gave me an, an incredible perspective. I could ask better questions. I could yeah, I could go talk to the guys that have written the books, but I'm far more interested in bringing quote real people on the show and talk about the the real challenges they've been through. Because to me, it's like when Joe Blow is out there listening to that and he hears my guest on the show that isn't some author with a PR firm and a new book and he's trying to sell a, a bunch of copies so he can get on the New York Times bestsellers. And he hears this guy talking and sharing his story. There's a part in him that goes, shit, if that guy did it, I could do it too. Yeah. And I just found like that's where there's something far more valuable to that. Because if if you can see it's possible, then there's like that's where the it, all you, you, that might just be that little rock that that chips the the windshield and it starts to splinter out. It's like okay, here we go. This is the start of the transformation. So you know you were listening, you were listening uh, Pressfield and Dan Millman and Ferris and all that kind of stuff. But my favorite interviews have been just people I've gotten a chance to meet and hear their stories, and then I want to share them on the podcast. I find those people to be, I don't know, there's just something more tangible about that maybe just because i know them more as people but i just find that way more exciting and just way more relatable there's a, there's such a problem in this personal development field where we put people on a pedestal mm. and we create this story that somehow that guy has something that i don't have he doesn't have resistance or he doesn't have these challenges in his life like i do so i can just watch him go do those things and i just think that's bullshit and there's a thing that they they want to they cap they capitalize on that they create this world and they quote market to that like they want to yeah. sell you this thing like there's a if you get to this point you just do this and you take these pills and you buy this shit and all this other kind of stuff that you'll be exonerated from all of your challenges in life and I just I'm tired of that story I don't think that, that it doesn't work and nothing works that way and, and I've worked with these you know I've gone from coaching people that listen to my podcast to people that are on my podcast and they're a lot of them are. <laughs> got a lot of problems and right. they got all you know we all got challenges so that if there's anything i would just want to crush this idea of a pedestal there are some people that have amazing responses to that stuff and that's what i want to pull out but nobody's nobody's figured it out and they're suddenly void of that shit absolutely that, that's my experience as well um 
that and, and and that's part of the reason why this podcast came into existence because i was seeing you know <clears throat> some people portraying you know that, that there are, that within this profession there are a number of coaches that we could say are pretty much like have a celebrity status but that's come around from you know just really how good they are um so, you know, steve chander would quote is it oh, the funny actor guy the, he's, the name's gone from me be so good they can't ignore you um love that so there mm. are people around who i would term perhaps celebrity coaches but then there are others who are looking to create celebrity status as a business strategy rather than just having that celebrity status be something that kind of happens organically from simply from you know the service that they're providing that's you know and i think that's indicative of like how skewed the world is to uh we could beat up on enneagram type threes right like the achiever <laughs> right they're, like they're they're the performers they're out there I remember I was coaching a guy, man. He was solid. I'm not a huge Enneagram guy, but this, it, and the, if you open the Enneagram book of three, like there he is, like he's, he's there, he's shining. <laughs> and, and he was like, I can't find a guy to help me with X, Y, and Z. And I'm looking on websites like, you know, chances are he's a lot like Yoda. He's on a freaking planet somewhere in a swamp. You're not, you're, you're, you're your best guide, your best teacher, your best resource probably doesn't have a PR person and a website and a book deal. Okay. The best people typically don't, in my experience. The people that have impacted me the most don't have book deals and all of this kind of stuff. And that's not to take anything away from the people that do and that are playing that. But if all we see is if we're only taking in information from the social media and that kind of stuff, then it will be really skewed. But yeah. there's a lot more and you just got to go dig for it. You got to go look for the Yodas out there. You got to go because they're out there. There's some amazing teachers and guides and resources that are out there, but they don't look slick and they don't look, they don't play the part and they're not ready to walk on to some reality show and save the day, you know, that kind of thing. And so I, I, I say that I, that's good news, right? That's yeah. good news because yeah. it means that the, the, the world of resources is much broader than how we're perceiving it. Absolutely. It's not all just, you know, celebrity dick swingers that you might see. In social media, <laughs> and I think the same is true of clients as well. And I, what's your what's your take on this? But I mean, like some of my favorite client stories are not the 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 ones on the pedestal. Oh, you know, you've ten extra your business or whatever. And um, but really, some really simple stories where, I mean, one of my favorite ones is somebody who just restored their relationship with a best friend that had broken down a couple of years earlier, and mm. another like, uh, you know, parent daughter relationship that became much more loving yeah so i you know there, there's i think is a what's the uh, what is it the 80 man the 80 year old 80 year old man rule it's like what are the things that are going to be important to the 80 year old man that that the version of ours of ourselves is he really going to be like yeah i did next my business <laughs> and i was 42 or uh i i talked i spent these last 40 years with my daughter you know, so I, it's it's having. I'm a creative person. I like to get in there. I like to find projects to create with people. That's that's just me. I like to make stuff. So, and there is far. It's way more satisfying when we're addressing the the deep stuff. The the, the if, if we're ignoring that, I I'm, I'm not going to take you on it. If you just come to me and you say I want to take massive action and I want to like blah blah blah, I'm not going to take you on. If there's no real depth there, like why? Why? How's this going to improve the relationships, your own peace of mind, and and the experience you want to have in this world? Um, we can't answer those questions in 
you'd be better off with just a regular performance coach. Uh, that's not me. Yeah. So who, or indeed what, if it's an event, but who or what has influenced, do you think, your coaching the most? Gosh. I, it's, it's so hard to tell because it, it's such a... It's always like, I could just be like, oh, the last book I read. It always feels like it was the last thing. And like, oh, yeah, this is so key right now for me. And it's just been such a such an ongoing thing. So I, I, I can't say that there's any one particular thing that's influenced my coaching or coaching style. Uh, I'll give, I don't know if my wife can hear me, but my wife has done a lot for me. Like just being in relationship with her, she how she carries herself how she treats me how she treats our daughter there's she's coming from your there's always a, a level of approval and i get that you're coming from your best she, she's always giving me the benefit of the doubt and that's a great reminder especially as a coach sometimes we can get attached we can get an agenda like okay, I thought we were doing this and I thought we were doing that. And then I, I, it's like, come on, I want to bulldog that. And as a coach, it's like, let's go. It's cracking the whip. And, and it's easy for me to kind of lose that compassion and, and that acceptance. And so having that in our house, that's been a constant for me to come back and not just be this masculine go, go, go kind of guy. She's really taught me how to, how to have a, a big heart in that way. So Beautiful. What are, what are really your favorite um, kind of client stories then? Is there anything that you'd, you'd share with us? Anything particularly strange or weird even? Strange or weird? Gosh. Lately, it seems, in the last year or so, it seems that more of of what's been exciting for me is moving from being somebody that can help somebody with their kind of singular challenge or problem, that was exciting for me for years. And now, moving into helping somebody transform who they are because they're, they're on a path to impact others. And so now I get, I get really excited when I'm working with other coaches or whether they're guides or authors or whatever. And, and the status of it is less important so much is that it, I feel like m our conversations are, is a, it has a force multiplier quality to it. That when they go out and they tell me about the impact they're having on other people and the things that they're creating, the couple of them have podcasts or are doing things. And that's exciting. Like that is, and there's a part of me that's like, shit, I think they're doing better than me. But <laughs> it's like, there's, I don't let the, it's not a competition thing, but there's a, there's a thing of like, this feels really good to see how they are becoming, how they're showing up in the world, and how they're impacting other people. Um, I, I went through kind of a dip there. Where I was getting bored with, with clients, and, and I was getting bored with things that were like really amazing, like people were, getting, were doing some cool things, and I thought I was, it was like, oh, man, maybe there's something wrong with me. Uh, but it was really just time to level, level up, so to speak. And so that's where I've been most excited is seeing how my clients are impacting their reach and expanding and, and helping other people. That's, that's been fun. And, you know, for anybody listening to this, what, what I've heard actually in what you've said, because we can take all that literally and the same with 
all of these podcast episodes you know i invite people not to necessarily take the content what you've just demonstrated to me is i think that the kind of clients you'd like to work with are those you really feel heart a heart connection to what it is they want to do right yeah i i it's never been i've never been about like the guy with the big title and all the money and all that kind of stuff it's always been something captivating about their story it's like this is my mission. This is what I want to do. And, and if I'm listening, there's there's the part of it's like, all right, fuck the fee. Like we're gonna do this. Like I'm I'm in. I want to coach you on this, and I get excited. Like let's find a way. We're <laughs> gonna work this out, and we're gonna make it happen. And and so you know, I don't know if that's great for my quote business side, but there's there's I've always looked at my schedule as a way. Like I want to make sure my schedule is. I'm only talking to people I'm lit up to talk about. I can can. That's it. I just want to look at people and I want to feel great about the things that they're creating in their life. That's, that's what I shoot for. And um, I, I also just have this thing of like, you know, like there's, the good guys need to win. There's too many dickheads out there that are <laughs> winning. Like they figured out this game. They figured out how to sell products and things to others that I don't think are great. And they're kind of flash in the pan stuff. It doesn't really reflect the, the what's true to create long-lasting happiness and mm. fulfillment and um so i want the good guys to win i want to i want to find the good guys that are i get pissed off when i see the good guys that are basically derailed and working in some shitty job because they couldn't figure out some of the technical things or whatever they couldn't get over themselves they couldn't get over their money shadow. They couldn't get over like whatever their thing was so that they could get out there and give their gift in the world. That pisses me off. I don't know how many conversations I've had with people. And I'm like, what? You, you would choose to work in this freaking Starbucks when you could be doing this. You have this amazing gift to give. And you're just too chicken shit to do it or get over this hump or whatever. And that upsets me. And so, yeah, I, I want to find – I've always been about like where are the good guys and, and how do we have the good guys win. Good guys meaning men and women. I don't, it's not gender specific. Yeah. So. I know. I notice listening to you say that. I notice that <clears throat> my favorite clients, or favorite times I've had with clients, are those that you you know almost like from the off, and you're talking to them. And I mean, one guy uh, about six months ago, uh, who were like, I was jumping up and down on my chair, really like a little boy, like, well, we have to do this, right? We we, we have to do this, and and he was with me. It's like, yeah, yeah, let's just let's just do it, and he just made it work. So I'm wondering, Trip, um, where are your clients coming from? It would it would seem obvious that clients are finding you via your podcast. Um, so I'd be interested in you know whether that is the case, or you know percentage wise, perhaps whether that is the case, or or where else? How how are clients finding you? Yeah, you know when I talk to people that have contacted me for coaching, I ask them how did we run across one another, and and they may have heard me heard about me through. You know, I, I just signed up a guy this week, and he came through a, a mutual friend. But he said that he went and listened to the podcast for a few months. So the the podcast has been this way for me to filter people too. I I actually have learned that I don't really. I'm a little suspect to take people on that haven't listened to the podcast because if you don't like the podcast or the podcast rubs you the wrong way, oh, that's good. Like take a hike there's other podcasts so it, it helps you know and it, 
to 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 kind of galvanize and understand like yes I want this in my life I want to I want to take the ideas and the things that I'm hearing on the podcast I want to implement that into my life then that's great and there's no there's no Kool Aid to drink it's not there's no set formula because we talk about so many different things oh, and get yeah. so many different viewpoints but there but it is a it is a way to polarize and and just like yeah if you like it then great and if you don't wonderful then don't we shouldn't talk <laughs> I don't think that we're, we should work together. So, yeah. Yeah, beautiful. So, um, just want to honour your time and time of our listeners. It's really flown by, actually, really has. So I'm wondering if you had an opportunity um, in to summarise just, you know, in 30 seconds, maybe a minute. um, So you had a whole bunch of coaches in a room that were starting out, shall we say, what might you say to them? What might your message to those be? Don't underestimate the path that you've been on. I see so many coaches show up and want to be, quote, good coaches. And they become formulaic. Um, and they become boring. And they become, it's not, it's not easy to see why we should care. So there's, they, they, they kind of sanded off the edges. And most of them are so excited to leave behind the profession or the life that they've had to become a coach. That this is, this is, they're running away from that and they run, in, they run towards coaching for that. And so they create this persona of this coach and they dismiss their life up to that point. And what I found is without that story, I don't know how to connect with you. And I don't know who to send your way. I don't know what it is that makes you up. So even if um, it's not been something necessarily flattering or, or whatever, it just helps me to understand that you've put in your time somewhere. You've put in your time and you've got a unique way of looking at the world that if there's five of us coaches that are sitting listening to one person, you're going to hear something differently because it's going through your lens of experiences and that kind of thing. And I think that most of the time, I just see so many people, they dismiss that. They want to go find that lens through another coach or through another training, but they don't really listen to their own internal thing that says this guy's full of shit like they're bullshit meters or they're just the thing they just dismiss it and i think that that's um it, it's going to impair their ability to connect with their people the people that are just going to say i get you and you get me um and i think it also robs them of the opportunity to really get like this is where i can become powerful for this person this is where i can create some leverage in this person's life so I don't know how many coaches show up and like, great, I'm ready to be the great coach. And, and like, oh, well, that thing I used to do, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't want to do that anymore. It's like, <laughs> yeah, I got it. But um, I did that. I wanted to just run away from being in the music industry and media stuff or whatever. And I didn't, you know, you look at it now, it's all integrated. It was messy. The, the process of making it was messy, but it's like, oh, wow, look at that. Everything kind of integrated together. I'm still dealing with microphones and computers and and I'm still having conversations and making stuff so it's yeah but for a long time I just wanted to 
create a new persona. I wanted to do mm-hmm. new. You know, we think we got to do a 180 degree change, and it's just not. It's not true. So yeah, what's that thing that really makes you unique, and more importantly, that helps you see other people's challenges and uh, problems and opportunities that the rest of us just don't see. And I think that also applies um, to what we're what what our life is like now. You know, there is that temptation to want to portray being you know superhuman having it all together and i tell people you know there's some mornings i wake up like with tears in my eyes i think oh my god my life's so beautiful and there are other mornings i wake up with tears in my eyes thinking oh my god my life's a fucking mess you know i don't have it all together and i'm human so i guess um that would be the thing to get across too is that there's no place where this is done right, right? like there's no there's no finish line phil stutz uh, wrote the book The Tools. He talks about this this idea of exoneration, and it's just like there's no there's no velvet rope place. And I think um, I see so many people that are struggling to build their practice, and and to, they're, they they're they're like yeah yeah yeah. Once I get to the velvet rope thing, then I'll do this other stuff. And it's like well, that's hard. Like there's no because it's not happening. It's not ever going to happen. So how can you slow down and 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 just work with wherever you are, and I, and I, it's it's nice when the money starts to level out. That that can help, but I don't. Even then, there's still there's still shit that shows up. There, there's there's ex, there's always an expansion process in this in this profession. I don't think that there's a plateau here. That there's there's always at least for me, I'm just continuing to expand. And it's like shit. Like, I get these like shit moments. And I, even last week, I was sitting in the kitchen. I was standing in the kitchen with my wife, and it was like. Yeah, I can't do that and that. You know, it's just it's. And she's like, "Yeah, I got it." You know, and and it's still still happening. Yeah, still stuff happening. I think if you're seeking to escape that, go get a corporate job somewhere. Like seriously, go get a thing that's going to be the same thing every day. And that's not to. I don't mean to be demeaning of people that want that, but it's like if that's your thing to to get rid of that uncertainty. Um, there there are paths to go, other than coaching. This one's tough. I, we you were talking before the call, and I had a business coach early on, and some of the things that I was doing, and I just I was so frustrated and scared, and like wanting some uncertainty, and I was like, well, what's the end game with this? And she and she was like, yeah, you're going to you're going to teach others how to do what you're doing, and I just was like, there's no freaking way I would coach anybody to do this. This has been a nightmare for me. I it just like I was like, I'd be way out of integrity, and here I am, I'm coaching other people to do it, but I would never like build a website like, hey hate your job you should become a coach like it was like no this is really freaking hard um so uh, yeah i just yeah there's easier ways easier ways to make money and do that you know there was something it's it it really had me laugh Uh, um i can't remember what episode it was but you mentioned that uh, you realize you caught yourself uh one evening going to bed around about the time you used to go on stage Yeah, that happens. <laughs> and that's how life develops for us. <laughs> and it was, you know, it, was, it wasn't that, you know, it was a few years later, but it, it, that's one of the things we can't predict the future. Mm. We think we can right now. Okay, this is the thing that will make me happy five, six, seven, eight years from now. You, but you don't know the truth of it, which is, you know, I was like, oh, I need to have a business ABC to be happy in eight years. And then I got a different business and made me happy. Um, yeah. 
you need to be still performing or whatever. No, you're going to bed at 9.30 is pretty rad too. <laughs> so things, I, I, have, I wish I could say I'm really good at predicting the future. I'm, I'm, I, I'm good enough to know that I'm bad at it. Right. Uh, yeah, just can't right. figure that out. And that's usually when things are really tough. It feels really, I know things, when things are feeling really tough, I know it's because I'm trying to predict the future. Mm-hmm. Like I say, the time's flown by. I want to honor your time, honor the time of our listeners. It's been absolutely brilliant talking with you. I, I hope that we can do more of this sometime again. Um, and I'm going to continue listening to your podcast. Thank you very much for, for that. Um, thank you, Phil. I, I just want to thank you for doing this. Um, I think it's important. I think it's important for, for up and co- just coaches in general to have a have a window into how things are really working. So I'm, I'm, I'm grateful that you're doing this. Thank you, Tripp. Thank you. Well, that must have been just about the fastest 47 minutes of my life. Time really did just fly by. It, it feels to me that we barely scratched the surface of much of what we talked about in this conversation here with Tripp. And of course, that makes sense, I guess. He's, he's been in the game a long time. He's been podcasting, actually, for close to 10 years. What I loved in this conversation is how open Trip was in how he bumbled along for some of his time. I think he termed it digged around. And also the impact of seeing how, you know, how often we are actually one foot in, one foot out, not just in coaching, but in many aspects of our lives, of course, relationships and careers in particular, I think. I love how Tripp feels his way through when he's talking with prospective clients, how it's so important to him to feel a heart connection to what his clients want to create. Of, you know, of course, um, that means it's never about the money. Our heart always guides us, always. And I thought it was just so beautiful, actually, that he cited his wife as having the biggest impact on his coaching and, and on his life. Beautiful to hear how inspired he is by how she shows up and how she gives him the benefit of the doubt. I mean, that's that's loving action right there, something we all could probably do with. And, of course, he made such an important point right at the end, um, towards the end of this conversation. Um, maybe paraphrasing, paraphrasing here, but... Don't dismiss all that precedes you coming into coaching. Don't dismiss your story and don't dismiss your life. You know, don't dismiss you. You, you don't dismiss who you already are. Bring all of you into your coaching. I'd l- I've loved hearing from you guys with all of your feedback and your comments that you've sent me. Keep them coming. You can find me on Facebook by going to fbphil.com, fbphil.com. Message me there, send me a friend request, um, or indeed just send me an email at phil at philg.com. Love to hear from you. Thank you once again for listening to the Coaching Life podcast. Have fun in whatever you do. And as ever, I wish you much love and joy. Thank you.